Cry loudly, do not hold back, raise your voice like a trumpet, and declare to my people their transgression, and to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me day by day, and delight to know my ways, as a nation that has not as a nation that has done righteousness and has not forsaken the ordinance of their God. They ask me for just decisions. They delight in the nearness of God. Why have we fasted and you do not see? Why have we humbled ourselves and you do not notice? Behold, on the day of your fast you find your desire and drive hard all your workers. Behold, you fast for contention and strife, and you strike with a wicked fist. You do not fast like you do today. Make your voice heard on high. Is it a fast like this which I choose, a day for a man to humble himself? Is it for bowing one's head like a reed, and for spreading out sackcloth and ashes as a bed? Will you call this a fast, even an acceptable day to the Lord? Is this not the fast which I choose to loosen the bonds of wickedness, to undo the, the bands of the yoke, and to let the, the oppressed go free and break every yoke? Is it not to divide your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into the house? When you see the naked, to cover them, and not to hide yourself from, from your own flesh? This is pretty good. In one, cry loudly, don't hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Now, a trumpet mostly in the prophets is used for what? Warning. So warn and declare to my people their transgression. Show Jacob their sins. That is not necessarily politically correct. But sin needs to be declared and labeled as sin. Sin needs to be, uh, you know, openly uh, exposed. So cry loudly and show the people how sinful they are. But now verse 2 and 3 might, might confuse you a little bit at first. Yet <laughs> they seek me day by day. And delight to know my ways. As a nation that has done righteousness has not forsaken the ordinance of their God. They ask me for just decisions. They delight in the nearness of God. And they're confused. Why have we fasted? And you do not see. Why have we humbled ourselves? You do not know that. I mean, they love God so much. Oh, they want to know God. They want to be close to Him. And they just don't understand. Why they fasted it? And well, God hadn't noticed. I mean, they humbled themselves and, and God hadn't done anything for them. It, it's really it's really confusing to them. And it's kind of irritating that God didn't give them the brownie points they thought they'd get for these fasts. I mean, what's the use of, of going through all these religious activities if you're not going to get any special blessings out of it? You know, I mean, God, we, we're your people. And, and oh, wow, we just wish want you so much and we love you. We go through all well, What's the problem? Why aren't you noticing? You know anybody like that? <laughs> you know, well, God's pretty clear about what the problem is. He says, Be Behold, on the day of your fast, you find your desire. You do good and well what you want. 
You drive hard, all your workers. You fast for contention and strife and to strike with a wicked fist. You know, that's kind of funny. But, but I think he's saying since your fast always seems to end in a fight, that must be what you're fasting for. Can you imagine an unspiritual family passing the day together in increasing hunger? <laughs> the edginess and the tension and the strife and the impatience that there must be. These people are not dedicated to God. They are doing what they want to but trying to go through the religious ceremonies to, you know, put the coin in the vending machine so they can get the blessings out. You know, he says, uh, is it, I love verse, verse 5. Is it a fast like this which I choose? A day for a man to humble himself? Is it, is it for bowing one's head like a reed? You know what he means by that? You have that picture. What are they doing? Isn't that the idea? They're, they keep praying. You know, it's just, they're, they're saying their prayers. You know, they're, they're constantly bowing their head. You know, but all this is, is a physical, you know, uh, external sort of a thing. So I, I'm not one you just to, 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 to bounce your head up and down. And, and to, to externally humble yourself and go without eating. I mean, is there real great value in skipping meals? I mean, you know, is, is getting hungrier going to help? Well, might, but it's not for them. Because he says, is this not the fact which I choose, verse 6, to loosen the bonds of wickedness? That'd be nice. Uh, to undo the bands of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, break every yoke. Is it not to divide your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into the house? I mean, if you really want to do some good when you deny yourself food, share that food with the people around you who are going hungry. You know, here they are going through all this. They got a bunch of hungry, homeless people around them, naked people that they don't bother to help at all. What kind of a fast is this? Yeah. I mean, all the th they're, they're wicked. They're unspiritual. They're unconcerned about the needs of others. They're demanding toward God. They're bound their heads like a reed. And they're going through these fasts. And they just can't understand why God doesn't notice. And why God hasn't taken care of I wonder if there's not terrible parallels for us. I mean, I wonder how many times you know, we just try to punch some buckets of some mechanical service to God. You know, just make sure, you know, that we that we get we get the check boxes checked off. And that way God will bless us. Comments. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, I'm there three times a week. 
You know? And, you know, we talk about it, and it's first day of the week communion, and, you know, and it, we, we, we've got the boxes checked off. Now, what happens when we're here? When we sing this acapella music, do we worship God from our heart, or do we just say some words? You know, when we're taking the Lord's Supper, are we drawn closer to Christ? Do we love Him more because of His sacrifice, or do we just drink some grape juice and eat some bread? I mean, I think He's saying the things that are relevant, you know, for us. And I mean, we might add, you know, sometimes, I mean, you know, we might feel smug about that. Well, yeah, I, I know. There's a lot of people I know like that. Well, I mean, when we when we when we do our Bible study, I mean, how many times have, have we done this? I mean, I know people who, you know, well, they're going to make sure they study, you know, three chapters a day, and uh, they're really they're really experts on Psalm 117, and uh, <laughs> you know, a few things like that. You know, how can I how can I get this checked off as painlessly as possible? You know, I mean, just trying to make sure we get through the ritual. We get we get our quota in. You know, there's so much quota stuff. I'm not against setting goals and sticking with them. And I'm not against making ourselves do what we need to do. But we become complacent in, in anything, even in things that seem very spiritual, when it just becomes a matter of well, I'm getting the mechanical action out of the way. It needs to come to me more than that does. Mike? We need to make sure that's an inner humbling instead of just an external humbling. Whenever we bow our heads, are we bowing down our spirit? Yes, exactly. We're, we're good at getting the, the worship face on. And, and uh, you know, we, we've got the image down pretty well. You know, yet sometimes that's what we're concerned about. You know, making sure we look spiritual. Well, God sees right through whatever we look like. Other thoughts? I think sometimes we can't see through it. God, God can see through it, and we still can. Yeah, we deceive ourselves. Exactly. Absolutely. Good point. Ben? Um, I guess to me, it's, it's really good. Um, place a lot of the same exact things that Jesus talked about that we need to do. And um, one thing that's really amazing of God, what he really wanted is never change. Even though his laws have changed a little bit, what he really wants from us ever change. And I think the scary thing to me is to think that, you know, the dog will eat us, you know, the beast of the field will eat us, we'll receive this punishment that these people receive if we don't um, do better. So that's really challenging. You might think about this, although, you know, in this group, maybe the challenge is the first part. You know, I mean, you know, we think about giving. Now, I think I think a challenge we have is that a lot of times young people don't think about giving, period. You know, our money's ours. That's my parents' job. But once we get to where we have a conscience and a sense of responsibility about giving, then I think we can often do this. You know, we've got our system. You know, it's not tied anymore, but we do however it is that we want to do it, whether we've got a percentage or we've got a quantity or we've got something. So we've got, you know, we've got what we stick in the collection. Do you ever feel, you know, I get what you got. Now, what, what, what are you going to do for me? And what happens after you give when there's a brother who needs some help? I don't get it. You know, I did my job. I mean, that was it. You know, um, you know, so often it's like 
you know, I got, I got it done. What do you feel like when, when you said your prayer? You know, I got my praying done for today. And, and, and maybe there's some, some other crisis that comes along. Somebody needs help. Well, I'll be praying today. I'll put it on the list for tomorrow. You know? Or what, I mean, do we ever just with any spiritual activity, it's kind of like, you know, we, we, we make sure we get through the form. But it doesn't really mean anything. I mean, if a fast doesn't draw you to think about the Lord, what good was the fast? If, if, the, if the Bible study isn't causing you to love God more, then what were you doing? Just calling words as you read? It's really practical. Well, what, are, what are some things we can do? Like, I know like, I show with like, studying my Bible and praying to me like a traditional thing I do every day instead of really meaning something. With it. What are some things we can do practically, I guess, to make it mean something to us? I mean, I would say that's a choice we make as to where we're going to put our heart and how much of ourselves we're going to put into it. There's, I'm not sure if there's a mechanical formula. But, but my praying can be stale and ritual. I just kind of passively and lethargically say what I always say. Or I can really think about it. I can focus on the Lord and I can seek to put energy into it. Really, really speak freshly and fervently to God. When I study, I can just get through it. Or I can, I can try to hear God's voice and see what he's saying. I mean, so for me, so much of it is energy. So much of it is just putting putting effort into it. Certainly that's true with worship. You know, I can I can go through the motions or I can really seek to, to concentrate myself. So we've got to love God enough and really want to put ourselves into it. Roger. Yeah, well, one thing I struggle with is uh, on Sundays I go to so many different churches. You kind of get the idea like, oh, I'm just going to church, going to church. And uh, sometimes it's so hard to focus because you need to do it four times a day uh, on Sundays. And I mean, you're like, oh, it's just church again. But uh, you yeah. really need to, you need to choose to just focus. And when the Lord stuff is being done again, just focus on that. And sometimes it's so hard. You just have to choose to discipline your mind. A lot of people say, a lot of people say you can't control your thinking. Well, yes, you can. You just need to focus enough, but you control it. You just put it in. You know, it could be that we think, what a wonderful opportunity! You know, another chance to worship God. I mean, you know, if you're really into football, you probably don't say, you know, when there's a triple header of great games on the oh, no, they're scheduling another football. <laughs> You know, it all depends on what we love. <laughs> Amen. Yes, Mindy. And it seems to me that that is something that you grow into, too. That you can't say today, oh, I hate studying my Bible. I do not want to pray. You know, that's not exciting to me. And tomorrow, suddenly be this spiritual person where you just love studying the Bible and you want to pray for hours and hours. Like, I think you grow into that. And as you make yourself do it, and maybe you don't enjoy it as much for a while, then in time you come to appreciate it. I suspect there's a time in most of our lives we would 
had a hard time imagining spending this much time in three days in the ice area. Staying away. So, yeah, I think that's exactly right. We do grow in that, Tim. though it counts towards your 40 hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I recently uh, read where someone pictured our lives as a, a mobile, those things that hang over baby cribs. They got all this stuff hanging around, but usually there's something in the middle. And God is what's in the middle. And everything else in our life rotates around, and there's not one part of that mobile that's not connected in some way to the center. And, and yet, no matter what part of that you may be involved in, the center is still the center. So whether it's my family, or my job, or my hobby, 
or what, God is still the center. I think sometimes for me when I think of putting God first, it's like, okay, well I'll put God first and then once I've done that part, now I'll move on to 2 and 3 and 14 and so forth, but I've already done part 1. The, the center idea says, no matter what I'm doing, God is a part of that, involved in that. Excellent point. Yes. Yes, Recently, um, over at Lakeview Bridges, was talking about a, a couple months worth about two paths that I have to choose for. One leads to salvation, the other one leads to Satan and sins forever. And I got, I got to thinking about that for quite a long time. And I think we, what we need to do is not to stray from the path of righteousness. The path that we have to take is that path. We don't want to take the other path and be with Satan and have all these sins on us. We want to stay with God throughout the entire, our entire lives and we'll be with him again. So really practical thoughts, John. I think we can tell a lot about how we put God first by what we pray to him about and how not necessarily how often but what we're talking to him about. A lot of times we have the tendency that we only go to him when we're in trouble and when we need something and when we're concerned about something, which is not wrong. That's, he tells us to do that. Um, uh, my mom made me and my sister do these prayer books a long time ago and I thought they were really tedious. But like you would write down what you prayed about and then looking back at those prayers, you'd see how God answered those prayers. And then she would make us, you know, put, put in our head that we need to thank God for those those answered prayers and think about how He's answered us in the past. And it just inspires us to pray more because He always listens to us and He always answers. So I mean, I think that we need to be, you know, thanking God for the blessings He's given us in the, the past and the present and the future of God. Amen. All right, uh, 8 to 14. Then your life will break out like the dawn, and your recovery will speedily bring forth. Pardon me. Well, then your, and your recovery will speedily spring forth, and your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry, and He will say, Here I am. If you remove the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, and speaking wickedness, and if you give yourself to the hungry and to satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then your light will rise in darkness, and your gloom will become like midday. And the Lord will continually guide you and satisfy your desire in scorched places and give strength to your bones. And you will be like a watered garden, and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And those from among you will build up the ancient ruins. You will raise up the age-old foundations, and you will be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets in which to dwell. If, because of the Sabbath, you turn your foot from doing your own pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable, and shall honor it, desisting from your own ways, from seeking your own pleasure, and speaking your own word, then you will take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth, and I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, and the mouth of the Lord, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. 
There will be great blessings with great repentance. If they would divide their bread with the hungry and care for the needy, then verse 8, your light would break out, your recovery would spring forth, your righteousness would go before you, the glory of the Lord would guard you. Then you'd call and I'd answer. If you listen to the, the, the cry of those who are needy, God will hear your cry. And he'll take care of you. If you give yourself, in verse 10, to the hungry, if you satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then you'll be bright. Then the Lord will guide you. Then he'll strengthen you. Then he'll give you water. Then he'll build you up. There will be great blessings. They're crying out, why haven't you blessed us, God? Why aren't you taking care? Why haven't you listened? Why haven't you noticed? Well, you repent and God will bless. The, the question is not God's wanting to bless us. The question is whether or not we're willing to serve him. Verse 13 is especially powerful. If because of the Sabbath, you know, you could observe the Sabbath in a mechanical ritual way. But if because of the Sabbath you turn your foot from doing your own pleasure, if you call the Sabbath a delight, if you honor, if you desist from your own ways, from seeking your own pleasure, from speaking your own word, if you really give yourself to God and quit seeking your own desires and your own will, what kind of a Sabbath do you have? Do you have the Sabbath of mechanically following a ritual? Or do you have the Sabbath of really seeking God? Is the Sabbath just an excuse for, for your way, your pleasure, your word, or is the Sabbath really giving yourself to God? I mean, that's exactly what we've got to look at. Are we worshiping God just seeking ourselves? Or are we really seeking God and giving ourselves to God? God knows the difference. So, what's their problem? Well, their problem is, it had been sincere. God seen right through it. If they really would repent, if they really seek God and serve Him, God would definitely give them light. And He would be with them. But it's not going to happen until their spiritual life is real. I wonder for how many of us, even in this group of people who wanted to come and study Isaiah for three days, how many of us are spiritual life is real? You know, how many of us are trying to look good, but our life's corrupt? We, in our life, we seek our own way. We seek our own pleasure. We speak our own word. We go back home tomorrow. What are we going to do? How are we going to live? What are we going to say? How much of it is going to be self-indulgent wickedness? And not really oriented toward God, even though we went to the year instead. God knows. Comments and thoughts. Morgan. When you said that we shouldn't think of what we want, we should think of what God wants. Like, we don't need to say, we don't need to think what we want. Exactly. Exactly. Ben? Um, in verse uh, 8, when it says your righteousness will go before you, the glory of the world will be over your guard, is that a parallel to chapter 52 
well, is that right? You're referring to the righteous beginning of God? I think so, yeah. Thank you, Mr. Kevin. I always said that if you help other people, then your light is going to shine in the midst of darkness. And there's no doubt about it. But that's where it makes a difference. Anybody can come to church, and, uh, and anybody can come to worship. But when you go out of your way to serve and help people, that's when your light is going to be shined. Anybody can shine in a church building. But if people uh, for you to really shine, you need to go out there and help people out. Amen. Yes. Right. It was awesome where we want to be filled, we want to you know, enjoy our life and get some pleasure from it. And so we demand, you know, this is not my time to do something, this is my you know, resources, whatever it is. The real way we're going to get pleasure from this life is by pouring ourselves out to others. And, and that's where real satisfaction is. You know, maybe for the longer than just a second, if, if we're watching the TV or whatever, we're pouring ourselves out for others in, in every part of our life, then it's only real satisfaction. What did Jesus say? He who loses his life will find it. You seek for yourself, you have nothing. You empty yourself and serve, you have everything. But that is so hard for us to see. Caleb? Yeah, I think the point you made is really good. Um, I've seen that not just here, but all throughout Isaiah um, and throughout the whole Bible. That this is about a relationship. And this is about developing a real relationship with God. And a lot of times we, we're so involved in and good things, per se, but so many of the good things that we do are we're not doing for the Lord. You know, we're, we have other motives and we have you know, other reasons for doing the things that we do. When in reality, what we need to be started, what needs to be in the core of every, everything that we do is developing a real relationship with God and coming to know Him. It's just amazing how self-interest corrupts everything. Remember a, a person who, who came to me and, and uh, by a telephone was talking to me about how they they'd set up a Bible study for somebody. Isn't that, a, isn't that a wonderful spiritual thing? And you know, try to help somebody. Well, but they were confessing that their real motive is they were going to take somebody to the study with them who they really wanted to be around, you know, and and realize that their motive had nothing to do with an interest in the person they were going to be studying with. It was just an excuse to be around the girl they wanted to be with. I mean, it's amazing how even in spiritual activities, we often are seeking ourselves. We're not really seeking the Lord. You know, if you seek the Lord, you sacrifice yourselves. Sometimes it's pleasant to do what God wants you to do, and sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's not what you choose. It's not your desire. It's not your way. It's not your pleasure. What do you do then? What do you do when what God asks you to do is painful, is, is uh, uncomfortable, is unpleasant, um, may not enhance your image? You know, so often, you know, we see that at our core, we are still so self-absorbed. And the only way to serve God is to get out of ourselves and really give ourselves to God. Great. Yeah. And I think many times when we think about, you know, uh, if we lose our life for Christ, we'll find it. I think many times we feel like if we, uh, you know, if we truly give all to the Lord, we're, we're going to 
you know, lose part of ourselves. We're, we're no longer, uh, you know, going to feel complete. We're just going to be empty. Or really, when we give up ourselves, is when we will be full. You know, it, uh, really we have to uh, not believe the lie that Satan is telling us that we do uh, lose ourselves in service, that it's, you know, going to crush us. We're, we're not going to. And it's totally contrary to everything we hear. Everything we hear is we need to seek ourselves, we need to, we need to have self-esteem, we need to, you know, watch out for ourselves, and, and all that sort of stuff. And, and it's just the opposite. I mean, what did Jesus do? You know, he emptied himself. You know, what did he say we're to do? Deny, not deny yourself chocolate, or deny yourself this, or deny yourself that. Deny yourself. Give yourself up. That's our challenge. Our biggest God that is the rival to the Lord is ourselves. And, uh, you know, it, it is very helpful to see chapters like this that really, we, we may not be fasted, or we may be fasted, but, but, you know, this is really our challenge. Yes? Um, I, I remember growing up as a teenager, I mean, I would have to Yeah, I've known 60 or 70 year olds who said the same thing. Thankfully, you know this now. And uh, the thing the challenge for all of us is from here on out, give ourselves to God. Other comments? All right, let's take a break for a minute.